0: Well, happy Easter. Happy Easter. He, is risen. he is risen. Amen. Isn't this a great day? I, I just love that last announcement. I, uh, for someone coming out of law enforcement and into ministry, it's like Robin Hood to Friar Tuck. <laughs> Easter is just a special day. It wasn't always special to me, though I grew up celebrating it. Because I had a grandmother who was a really wonderful follower of Jesus Christ, and she lived in the home with us, and my mother loved the Lord. I can remember Easter Sundays. We got up early, we got dressed, and they made me as a little guy wear a tie. Little guys, I'm so sorry (laughs) that you have to do that, but here we were, my brother. And me and we had on our little suits and our little ties and my sister was dressed nicely But my grandmother took the cake because she had this great big blue hat that cocked sideways matching her blue hair (laughs) And she had on a gorgeous dress and the white gloves that the women would wear back then some of you remember this And we get into our 1955 Ford and we drive to church And we go in and we sit at her pew now, some of you are like that. I see you when you come in, and if someone's sitting where you normally sit, you get very aggravated. You have to repent, and then you have to find another place to sit. <laughs> well, that was my grandmother. She, she had to have it this way, and we'd go in, and we'd sit down, and then we didn't hear worship like this. We heard some wonderful hymns. Uh, I didn't know any of them, and then I listened to the most boring pastor in the world, And I'm sitting there, I can't wait to leave here. I'll be glad when this is over. I wonder what time it is. You know, I'm just so, I never heard a word on Easter Sunday. But now my mother had told me that it was all about the resurrection of Jesus. I didn't even know what the word meant, let alone who Jesus was. But what I looked forward to was going home to a meal. Because that was the Sunday when they pulled all the stops All the cooking was done on Saturday because you never cooked on Sunday. And my aunt and uncle from Atlanta would come in and my two great-aunts and great-uncle from another city would come in and we'd all sit around and I would enjoy this meal and then I would leave and go play a sport. That's what Easter meant to me. The Barna Group that surveys American possibilities asked the question, What does Easter mean to you? And 43% of the respondents gave the following answers. Well, it's all about the birth of Christ. It's about the rebirth of Christ. No, it's about the second coming. It's about spring break. It's about rabbits and eggs. No, it's about greeting cards making a lot of money. And the last group said, doesn't mean anything to me. See, that's where America falls, right in the camp I was in. So we're going to set it straight today. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the only son of the living God. That's what it's about. That's what we're here to celebrate. When Jesus was raised from the dead, a few weeks later, he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended, he poured power down upon these disciples that were in a room And they were waiting for this power to come. And when it came, one of the apostles, Peter, decided that he would speak to the groups, the thousands that were in the streets for celebrations. And he began to preach to them about this Jesus, the one that they came against, the one that they crucified. He blamed them all for it. And they're all sitting there listening to this. And then he says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. But God raised him from the dead... Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible to keep its hold on him. Death couldn't keep its hold on Jesus. That's a joy for us. It was impossible for it to keep him on him. This was not an emergency plan of God. This wasn't like, well, through the centuries, I've tried different things to get people to come to me. And they're still refusing. They're still going the opposite direction. Now I'll try something different. No? Even King David, in writing the Psalms, writes in Psalm 16 about Christ. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand this was the promise of God that his son Jesus Christ would pay a price but that price of death could not hold him hell couldn't hold him even though it attempted to and corruption couldn't take his body though it wanted to he had the most unique death of anyone in all of history because he came back through the power of God he is the only one who has ever died, risen, and ascended into the heavenlies. Others have died and been risen by him. They were raised by him years and years ago, but they died again many years later. What a unique person he was. Philosophers can't explain the resurrection. Science cannot explain the resurrection. When God intervenes... In an issue in life, the only explanation is a miracle. And God is the one who did this. He raised Jesus from the dead. It was His intent. Because Jesus was someone special, wasn't He? He was known as Jesus of Nazareth because back then you didn't carry around a last name, you were affiliated, associated, related. And so you were either the son of someone or you were a child of that town. So he was Jesus of Nazareth. But he was an unusual child. We don't know much about his early childhood. We find some statements when he is just coming into his maturation at age 12. He's in the temple teaching. But then again, there's a silent period until he comes to 30 years of age and begins his public ministry. But it's well known that he was different that he didn't listen to the voice of man to follow man. He listened to his Father in heaven and everything that he was said. Jesus was specifically driven to please his Father in heaven. He refused to listen to anything else. God had said, he is a man approved by me. And the word approved there means pointed out. So Peter, in that upper room, pointed out to the crowds that Jesus has been raised and that statement has come down through the centuries to us so that this morning the word of God says still Jesus has been raised and he's the only one who's ever done this I'm pouring him out this morning because I want to make sure you know him see that's the purpose of the church unconditionally to love every one of you right where you are. That's how I was loved. And Jesus comes into your life, and he changes your life radically, gently, lovingly. And he brings you to a point of recognizing that he is the only hope you have because he is the one who accomplished three things for us. He accomplished an atonement, our acceptance, and an ascension. All three of those affect our lives. So let's look first at atonement. What does that mean? Well, it's a theological word. It's also used in in history, and it's where someone is injured, and the person who injured them needs to pay them for that injury. That's atonement. When you pay someone whom you have injured. I remember being a private investigator with the largest negligence law firm in South Florida for a few years. And I remember being called into an attorney's office one day and there was a lady sitting there and she was very upset and disgruntled because another man who had been in this lawsuit had received more of a settlement, more of an atonement. The people who hurt him paid him. And I said, well, he was more seriously injured than you were. She said, "Nope." He was walking along the street when the accident happened, and he jumped in the back seat. I said, well, then he went about getting that, and I'll use our word, atonement in an unrighteous way. He shouldn't have that. And you see, so many of us try to find that atonement, that appeasing God through the things we do. We lie, we steal, we cheat. We try to find everything we can. We think that our life is important enough to get us an audience with God, that who we are, what we own, we're wrong. We're not just wrong. We're eternally wrong. The only means of salvation, the only means of being reconciled to God is for the atonement that Jesus Christ made for you, for me, to be placed upon you. That he stands between you and the father. As the one who represents you. Paul says. Jesus emptied himself. He, he left glory. He left heaven. He was still 100% God. But he became 100% man. And he lived a life. Knowing who he was. Listening to the voice of God. Because he knew he alone would be able to make the payment that was necessary. And because he made that infinite payment, it has an infinite effect. That once I receive Christ as my Savior, I know that now forever I am his. Not based on anything I've done. Not based on any position I hold. Or people I know. Based solely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. God put a price on salvation. And Jesus paid that price. You and I negotiate all the time, don't we? On prices. We want to get it as low as we possibly can. And I think that's what some of us do with Christ. Is we think, if I just do this, he'll accept me. If I just do that, he'll accept me. The exciting part is, he accepts you when you do absolutely nothing. He accepts you right where you are in your life. As Pastor Allen said, all the busyness, all the stuff that's going on in your life that's keeping you trapped in, God loves you through all of that. He is there and he is with you because he made a covenant. Now, a covenant was a contract. And in those days when the patriarchs were around, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the way you cut a contract with one another is you made a deal. I'm going to buy a car from Pastor Allen. Pastor Allen agrees on a price with me and I agree to pay the price and he agrees to give me the car so we're going to swap things. But before we do that, if we lived back then it wouldn't have been a car, it would have been a horse or a wagon. We would have agreed and then I would have gone and gotten some animal, some birds. He would have done the same. We would cut them in half, and we would have a path between them. And it would be a bloody path. And on either side would be the sacrificed animals. And then he would start on that end, and I would be on this end. And we would walk, and we would pass each other and change ends. Now, what does that mean? That means, Pastor Allen, if I pay you the money, and you don't give me the car, then the blood is on you. If I don't pay you the money... Then the blood is on me. Real simple principle. God takes Abraham. At this point in Abraham's life, he was called the shorter name Abram. And he makes a promise to Abram. I want to show you what it is. Genesis 15. As the sun was setting, they've already made the sacrifice, but they haven't walked yet through the pieces. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now, here comes the point where the walking takes place. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. All that... Figuration there, all that you're seeing, the blazing torch, the smoking fire pot. It's it's the smoke of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. It's God walking between the pieces while Abraham's asleep. And God walks both ways. So what he's saying is this, Abram, to you and to all your descendants, if you fail to keep the covenant, and you will, the blood is on me. So all the way back there. God is saying the only way I can appease my own wrath toward evil, toward sin, is if I'm willing to shed my own blood. Thus he sent Jesus Christ, his son, who is fully God, the second person of the Trinity. And he spilled his blood because through the shedding of blood, there is the forgiveness of sins. But not only did he die, but by dying and rising from the dead, he was accepted by the Father. And his acceptance means our acceptance. Matthew 3.17, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. So he accepted the Son's offering. Once for all, for all of us who belong to him. His work is acceptable. And God looks at you right now and says, I accept you. My question is, do you accept me? See, the acceptance goes both ways. In accepting the work of Christ, God refused all other means of covering the cost of his wrath. He rejected it he said nothing else in all of history can be done to appease me other than what I've just accomplished through my son Jesus Christ some of you may think that you found a way that your good things are going to outweigh your bad things it's not whether they're good or bad it's whether they're acceptable to God and you and I being born in sin with a sinful nature can never please God apart from being cleansed by Jesus Christ. And so through his cleansing, we have life. But that life has no meaning if he's still in a grave. But he was raised from the dead. And so we have been accepted by Jesus Christ. God hasn't changed the rules. God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That brings me peace. Because I know that in him, I have eternal life. It's not difficult. For those of you who have never come to know Christ, we are so thankful you're here today. Because you will hear the clear message. And it's not coming from some prejudice or some evil point or something that wants to say, I'm right, you're wrong. It's coming from God himself. Because God said, if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God really means that? He would not have put his son through what he went through if it were not true. And so I have confessed with my mouth. I believe in my heart. Even though on a daily basis I recognize that I'm not worthy to be his child, yet I am his child. And you too can be his child. I'm a sinner saved by grace. What about you? Have you exercised that free will to choose Christ? Because he's offering it today. And I'd like to pray with you right now. There may be some of you here who want to change your hearts today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for how you work in our lives. And I pray right now that, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would touch the hearts that are seeking. Show them the way, Lord, that you are the way. And, Lord, have them pray that for forgiveness of their own sins and that you would come into their lives and change their lives from this day forward. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that this morning, you'll see some people walking around in the front in the back and outside after the service, and they will be wearing these, how can I pray for you? So why don't you go up to them, talk to them, especially if you've just prayed that prayer, you can go to the information center where we have the first-time believer kits, and we'd love for you to have one to take with you. We don't want to stop with just... The fact that he atoned for us and we've been accepted, but it was that third thing that I mentioned that brings us to a conclusion, and that is the ascension of Jesus Christ. That day when he was taken up into the clouds and the disciples were standing and looking at him and the angel said, why are you staring like this? Don't you know that you will see him again because he will come just as you have seen him go. That day is coming when Christ will return. But until then, he has ascended. He is seated at the right hand of the father. He intercedes on our behalf. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The ascension was necessary because that was the moment in history When Jesus Christ presented himself as the perfect sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish, and he stood in the presence of the Father, and the Father received him and turned it around and said, Now salvation is possible unto all who will believe. In the resurrection, there was the rejection of everything that had rejected Christ. Everything that rejected God. The Roman Empire rejected him. The Jews rejected him. The people rejected him, and he rejected all of them and said, this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life. Walk in it. This is the Christ that we have. He went out of the grave, he went through the grave without having to take the seal off. When the seal was taken and the stone was moved, no one was there. Why? Because he had ascended and seated himself at the right hand. I look forward to that day when we again see him coming in the clouds, when those trumpets will sound and when we will know his presence. He was raised on that third day and then he ascended and death had no dominion over him ever again. Death could not hold him. Death can't hold you and it can't hold me. Because we have been promised. Though our bodies go back to the dust that they were made from, The we who we are, the spirit within me, continues to live in the presence of God and then gets a new body and lives forever on the new earth. That's an exciting thing to remember at Easter. In order to apply his work, we need to believe in him. The first week of March, there was a tragedy in Charlotte, Michigan. I know the mother quite well of a man named Jeremy who was a husband and a father. He was in his home when an explosion occurred. The roof collapsed. The second level collapsed. Two more explosions occurred. The house was on fire, a raging fire. First responders were there in the first three to five minutes. It was an excellent response. He was burning. All over his body. But he had the presence of mind that he had a four year old daughter upstairs. And somehow, by God's grace and his dedication, he got back to that second floor. And he wrapped that four year old in a blanket. And somehow, he made it out of the house. And he put her in the back seat of a car, and she was fine. He collapsed they airlifted him to a nearby hospital where he passed away. His mother said, I went in to identify the body, but I didn't think it was him. But it was. But she said, this I know. My God has a plan. And just like Jesus died for me, my son died for my granddaughter. Today, Jeremy experiences his first Easter in heaven. I can't imagine what that's like. But he paid the ultimate sacrifice so that his daughter would have life. How do you respond to the ultimate sacrifice Christ paid for you? It's my prayer that you really will take it seriously and that this will be the continuation of of a great celebration in your life, or that you will begin that celebration today. We have some who are celebrating with us this morning, and it's, it's really exciting. They're going to be baptized right over here. You're going to see them. It's an exciting moment. Baptism is part of the response that we have as believers in Christ, and it really fits into Resurrection Sunday because you are buried with him in baptism. You are raised with him to the newness of life. And they're going to be wearing T-shirts with this white band across. And each of them has written the one word that expresses what they think and believe about what they're doing this morning. So what I want you to do is to rejoice every time someone comes out of that water, yell and scream.